Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. And as Father's Day is coming up, I would like to share with you a live talk I did with Catholic fathers in Erie, Pennsylvania. Before we begin, I'd just like to share two quick things with you. First, the Pope of the family, St. John Paul II, said this, the future of the world and of the church passes through the family. The family is key for the development of our culture, our church, our country. And if you wanted to renew the culture, the church, and the family, I'd couple St. John Paul II's statement with the last words of the Old Testament from the prophet Malachi. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. The key to renewal doesn't begin with fix the kids. It begins with men stepping up to the plate and doing their job as Catholic dads. And that's the way to renew the family. And as a result, what John Paul II so accurately declared, that becomes then the future of the world and the church. Let's go to my talk in Erie, Pennsylvania. There's ups and downs in marriage, okay? Just kind of nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. You know, I have been a pastor, and on Sunday morning, you would never know anybody's having any problem. But then they'd come to you for like marriage counseling, like, Wah! but they're all nice, bright, and shiny on Sunday morning. I've gone to Catholic marriage conferences. I put a book on the table about alcoholism. Ooh, do you know how many people that are here today that are alcoholics? And I said, yeah, that's why I brought the book. Well, it's like it's a big secret. No, it's not a big secret. People go through problems. If you're going through problems, I noticed Father Larry has an email thing where it says on the website, email me your prayer request. Have you ever thought if you're going through a hard patch in your marriage? Everybody goes through them. Don't isolate yourself. Reach out. Ask a friend. Ask Father Larry. Ask somebody to pray for you. And if you had this mentoring couple program, you wouldn't believe what you can do for saving marriages. And here's the last one. And actually, this blows my mind because Catholics are sitting on a gold mine, a diamond mine, a silver mine, a platinum mine, everything mine. And so many, I just can't believe, don't appreciate what this is. Now, I'm talking about the Blessed Eucharist, but I'm not just talking about it abstractly. I'm talking about how the Blessed Eucharist and your marriage join together. Now, see, you come to Mass and you're kind of like, okay, everything's fine, God. <laughs> even though you had a fight in a way over, right? And even though it's been a bad week and everything else, but you just kind of pretend we got, everything's fine. Everything's fine, 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 fine. Right? It's called that river in Egypt, denial. All right. <laughs> Have you ever thought to come to Christ and as just as you're about to receive the blessed Eucharist, saying to the Lord, God, I need your help for my marriage. I need your graces for my marriage. You know, the first miracle that Jesus did was at the wedding of Cana. And I know what most Catholics think that's a scripture trying to emphasize how much we should drink at wedding receptions. But that's not the point. 
there were ceremonial jars of water. And in the Old Covenant, there were ceremonies, but it was only external. It didn't have the power to do something inside. Because marriage problems, as well as geopolitical wars, all come from a a problem inside. That Jesus came with graces to heal. And where it would show up most is where we have human weaknesses in marriage. And where only external conformity in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, he says, I'm going to have an abundance of graces. Abundance of graces. And, of course, if you look at, that's John 2, John 15, the whole abiding in the vine. This is all Eucharistic imagery that Jesus is giving. And how often do we not connect Cana with the Eucharist? And be able to come in our very point of lack, they have no wine, to finding abundance. Not because of little train that could inside or trying harder or simply in denial, but saying, Jesus, give me graces to heal my marriage. Listen to that document from St. John Paul II that made me a Catholic. Here it is. Quote, the Eucharist is the very source of Christian marriage. In this sacrifice, Christian spouses encounter the source from which their own marriage covenant flows and is continuously renewed. Do you hear that? Continuously renewed. The Eucharist is a fountain of charity. In other words, it's just gushing with graces. It's an abundance at the very point where we run out of gas. And, you know, the emotions or the sexual relationships early, there's a big rush, there's the honeymoon period. But on average, I think it's like 7.2, 7.3 years, something happens, and people are out of gas. Where do they get grace? From Jesus Christ, and specifically through the Blessed Eucharist, which is the very source of Christian marriage and where it's renewed. Come to Jesus, simply be honest about whatever state you have in your marriage and ask him to give you the graces that you need for your marriage. Let's talk about your kids. Kids are important and fathers and kids are important. And it's pretty common to predict that marriage is going to be expensive. Okay, you with me on this? But when you have kids, they come with so much gear. It's like, whoa, this is really going to be expensive. And most guys thinking, okay, I'm going to have to expand my business, get some further qualifications so I can get a raise. In other words, you're going to have to work harder to support a family. And that's a good thing. But on the other hand, you need to be able to balance that because in the very years where you're figuring out this is going to be expensive, you don't want to be pulled away from your kids because those are the years they need you as well. And one of the things you need to do is learn how to prioritize time. And I would say, pray. Ask God to give you the wisdom to prioritize your time. I have all the computer junk, but I, for whatever reason, like a paper planner, my daily planner. And on the top of it, I write from Psalm 90 and verse 12. And you might want to just write that down on your hand and, and then write it in the top of whatever you plan. Psalm 90 and verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You see, I was a pastor in southwest Florida. A lot of retirees. I remember talking to a big executive GE. I mean, he was big, way up. And he was saying, you know... Here's my career. He summarized it in three to five minutes. And then, I don't know, kept looking at my wine. You know. Let me tell you about my grandchildren. It went on and on. See, it's real clear at the end of life what's important, okay? You don't need 
to pray for priorities at the end of life. You'll know them. But the trick is, before you get to the end of life, pray to have God give you wisdom in advance. This is so critical. Managing time is more difficult than managing money. Time is critical. And we have one shot at it. And particularly with kids, the cement starts drying pretty quick. And if you're off, totally consumed with a good task of providing for your family, but neglecting them, you need to learn how to balance it. So Psalm 90 and verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, Fathers are the key... Remember the Baptist study, not only for the whole family following Christ, but fathers are the key for preventing faith washout. As I say, the statistics right now are at 60%. Okay, I could be today at a family conference, a youth conference, or a fatherhood conference. Fathers are the key. Fathers are the key to preventing the 60% washout. There is a Swiss study a number of years ago that... And I think it was the Swiss government, for whatever reason, they did this study. What causes faith practice to go from one generation to another? They asked the question. And they found out, what if only mom is a regular church attender? What's the probability that the kids, when they grow up, will be regular church attenders? You know what they found? And this is so often the case. 2%. Only 2%. One out of 50 will become a regular tender if only mom is the one attending church. Okay, what about both mom and dad? It leaps up to 33% if dad's involved. Now, this is something I generally don't share over the radio. They'll get in trouble. But it also asks the question, what if mom doesn't go to church? If dad alone takes the kids to church, you know what happens? It's higher Then if mom and dad go together, it goes to 44% from 33. So here's the point. Tomorrow morning, urge your wife to catch the pregame show in the paper and skip mass. (laughs) That was a joke. I said that on EWTN and they had to say twice after I said it. That was a joke. That was a joke. Okay. There is no excuse for guys not to be the leader in being the regular. And not just going to mass, but participating in your faith. As dad goes, the family goes. You want to keep your kids in the faith? Have dad stay in the faith. Now, let me tell you the key to making it work. And you don't generally hear this. They tell you to be pious and everything else. Okay, there are two components you need to be aware of for a father passing on the faith. The first thing you need to know, and this is the thing that's ignored by a lot of people and a lot of religious teachers, you need a bridge to go from yourself to your kids. I call it the relationship bridge. And the stronger the bridge, the stronger will be the faith that goes over that bridge. You get me? This is really critical. And so how do you get the relationship bridge? I was giving a talk in Miami, and I generally refuse to give a talk to Catholic men if, if it's a co-ed conference, so to speak. But these were friends of mine. They said, no, there'll just be men there. And it was like the wives were kind of, kind of, go ahead, hubby. Go, go, go here, Steve. He'll straighten you out. First thing I said, what every good Catholic dad needs, and you can quote me on this, is a fishing boat. You might guess I had a few wives come to me after my talk. I'm serious about this. Now, I don't, and by the way, 
I'm a little stupid, but I, I said, I just want to make sure they've got good fishing up there in Erie. I went to uh, fisherie.com, you know, do they have fishing in Erie? Duh. But in any case, you don't need an expensive yacht like I saw this morning down on the waterfront. I have a 40-year-old Boston whaler, and uh, it's unsinkable, and that's a good thing because of the way I and my kids drive it. It's really a good thing. And uh, I bought it for fishing. We do a little fishing, but my kids generally like to go fast, full speed, water skiing, tubing, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were hit by a hurricane, and a Catholic realtor in our parish got us a place in this fancy development where you can live on the water and have your boat. So here we had my 40-year-old Boston whaler with all these big, fancy yachts and expensive speedboats, and my kids were just, come, come on, Dad, we need a better boat, better boat. And I said to my kids, you tell me, if there's a boat in this whole harbor that has more fun per foot than we have had, I'll buy it. Never heard anything back. We've had a ton of fun. You see, your relationship bridge, a lot of guys make the mistake trying to turn their, if you're serious about your faith, turn your family into like a monastery or a seminary or something. That's not the thing. You want to have, as a dad, fun adventure, sports, build relationships. Guys don't build relationships by sitting in a circle singing Kumbaya. They like to do stuff and share their life with somebody else. Now, I highly recommend some type of adrenaline-producing activity, particularly as your kids get older. Those are great. Now, my lawyer suggested I not get too specific about what to recommend, but do something that make your wife a little nervous. Okay, that you like to do. I'll just give you one example. I'm not recommending this. This isn't legal advice. But one Easter. What a better way to, to celebrate Easter after going to Mass. I gave my kid dirt bikes. And I had another family over. They go to the Latin Mass. The husband is a board member of the Family Life Center. Very strong Catholics. And the wife looked at me and she said, Steve, you are the last person in the world that I thought would buy dirt bikes. See, that's what I want. I want to be really serious about my faith, that I realize that just as important as trying to communicate the faith to my kids, in order to be able to do that, we're going to have to link up and build a relationship bridge through shared activities. Stuff that I like to do. I mean, I have friends, when I was living in Florida, who didn't think there was a fish to be caught unless you went 40 miles offshore. Of course, your kids would get seasick before you got halfway out there. You wouldn't take them, so you go by yourself with your buddies. No, the idea is you go with your kids. You share your life, your loves, your outdoor experiences with your kids. That builds the relationship bridge. That's what makes you a better teacher teacher of the faith than any teacher, than any theologian, really than anyone. Because you share the same blood, you share the same DNA, you share the same home, you share the same life. And more important, as a dad, you take them out and do some stuff that they'll never forget, that they love doing with you. That's the relationship bridge. That's your first step in being a good religious educator. How many think they can do that? Come on. Hunting, fishing, I mean, whatever. Okay. Now... Here's how, in 15 minutes a week, you can start sharing the scriptures with your family. I entitle it, Bringing the Gospel Home. 15 minutes a week, maybe even 12 if you're a fast worker. Here it is. There's three steps. First thing I'd recommend, what you're going to do 
is bringing the gospel reading that you heard in Mass on Sunday back to your family, either for lunch or dinner time when you're all together. And so you're basically talking about a paragraph of Scripture. My buddy Scott Hahn has a three-minute summary of each week's gospel reading. So if you want to get the gist of it, uh, Scott's website is salvationhistory.com. And he has the Sunday Bible Reflections. Three minutes with Scott, and you can listen on your phone as you're driving to work and get a three-minute summary of that gospel reading in church. So you've got it, okay? Along with Scott, if that's not your deal to go online and hear that, this is the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. It now comes a little bit bigger version, but it's the same deal. And how this works, this is the Gospel of Mark, and this is what we're primarily doing this year. On the top part of the page, you have the Gospel, portions of Scripture. And the bottom part of the page, it explains to you what you just read. So you don't have to turn the page or get two books or anything else. In the bottom, you can use to understand the top. And here's what you do. You have to do three things... When you do bringing the gospel home, one, you want to read one paragraph. And my wife tells me, and I'm thinking she's pretty probably wise in this, the kids need to hear your voice reading the scriptures. Okay? Uh, I let my kids take turns reading too, but just remember, the kids need to hear your voice reading the scripture. Because really what we're talking about is, you know, in Catholic teaching, you have the church where you hear the gospel on Sunday, and then you have the domestic church. And it's kind of, you want a reverberation. You want the two to, to work together. So you read one paragraph. You make one comment. You say one intelligent thing about the passage. Now you're saying, ooh-ooh, where am I going to get that? Well, let's see. Hmm. You could always listen to the homily. You might just pick something out to make your one intelligent comment. And remember the other thing is just read that paragraph and it'll take you just minutes to read the bottom part of the page that explains what the top part of the page is all about. So you read one paragraph, make one comment, you've got the homily, you've got Scott Hans, three minute deal, or you have the bottom of the page, or you have all three. Okay? And then finally you ask one question. Kind of a reflection for the family to discuss, to try to kind of bring out the thing. Well, where am I going to get the questions? Don't tell your kids, but there's questions in the back. Right here, for every chapter. So, you've got it all in one little deal here. One paragraph, one comment, one question. And here's how it works. The Christian faith is designed to pass down the generations. And this is the primary way... It will work in any age, but in an age like ours, it's indispensable because the culture of Catholicism that works so well in a place like Erie in generations past, it's not going to work in the 21st century. This is heavy-duty stuff young people are facing. But God is stronger than the culture. He, he can provide this, provided there's a family culture to pass this on. There's a scripture that I never get tired of quoting from Genesis chapter 18. It's about Abraham. Now, if you're a dad, you're thinking, okay, I want to do a Bible study or pick somebody out of the Bible that, you know, I want to imitate as a dad. Well, Abraham, before he was Abraham, was Abram, which in Hebrew means something like exalted father. And God changed his name from exalted father, Abram, to Abraham, which means 
means something like super exalted father. So this is like neon lights. Father. Okay. This is a guy, one of the key guys in all of the scripture to imitate as a father. And this is what it says in Genesis 18 and verse 19. I have chosen him that he may charge his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God has promised Abraham, I am going to bless your family. And through your family, there's going to come a blessing to the whole world. That's Jesus Christ. God spoke this to Abraham somewhere around 2000 B.C. 2000 years later, we read Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, son of David. The family worked. And notice, it wasn't just Abraham's example. He charged his family after him. God says, I'm going to bless your family, but I need the dad to cooperate with this. We're not robots. Okay? God says, I, I, I picked this guy because I knew he was going to be on duty to pass on the faith. Now you say, well, that's great. Is that the best you can do, Steve? Somebody from 4,000 years ago? Do you realize what it's like raising kids in today's world? Well, you know the amazing thing about this one verse, Genesis 18:19, about Abraham. But if you read a little bit before and a little bit after, in the same chapter, God is on his way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It was self-destructing and immorality. And in the midst of a culture of Sodom and Gomorrah, God picks out a father and says, I picked him, his family I'm going to bless, the faith is going to continue because I know he's going to do his part I'm going to do my part in blessing those efforts. Five minutes. Again, this is from Catechesis in our time, from St. John Paul II. Listen, family catechesis precedes, accompanies, and enriches all other forms of catechesis. Furthermore, in places like Erie, Pennsylvania, and Greenville, South Carolina, and Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and everywhere else, in places where widespread unbelief and invasive secularism makes real religious growth practically impossible, the church of the home remains the one place where children and young people can receive authentic catechesis. Therefore, there cannot be too great an effort on the part of Christian parents to prepare for this ministry of being their own children catechists to carry it out with tireless zeal. Pope Benedict also called a, a, an educational emergency going on in a church. He said, parents need to get on board. You realize I wrote a letter to Pope Benedict. He wrote a nice letter back. I said, you got to realize there's something a little problematic, at least in the United States, with Catholic dads. When they hear the Pope give a very correct uh, urging, parents need to get on board with this. Guys say, yeah, my wife really needs to get with this catechesis stuff. No. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you specifically and directly, Dad, you need to be on board in today's world. Okay? Is that clear enough? Okay, I've given you one mechanism to do it. There's others. Simpler the better. Don't complicate this. You really don't need to complicate it. Although some people need to write 300-page books on how to have prayer in your home. You don't need to do that. You know, if you need, write me. I've got a little pocket thing that guides to prayer. That's all you need. You just need to engage. And more importantly, you need, you need also to build the relationship bridge. And I'd like to close by 
just one caution and one admonition, one encouragement, and it's this. Some guys will hear what I just said and try to turn their families into mini monasteries. Okay, get hyper serious. I don't know of a dad who is more serious about the Catholic faith than St. Thomas More. Besides being the Chancellor of Egypt of um, England, he basically had a huge responsibility in civic life. He would do get up in the middle of the night and write some of the finest apologetics works in the English language that have ever been written. He was as serious as could be, did penitential exercises and everything else. But hear this. This man who was so serious about the faith, and he was serious about passing on the faith to his kids, bought a monkey for his family's entertainment. Simply for the sheer pleasure, so that when the family was having dinner, the monkey would be jumping around doing crazy things, and everybody would be laughing about it. So I guess my last word, if you're taking this very seriously, and I hope you do, at the same time, Remember Moore's monkey. You got that? All right. Now, I kind of need to apologize because I like to make myself widely available after I speak. A lot of guys like to talk, and unfortunately, they have to drive me to Buffalo so I can get back to South Carolina tonight. So I have to zip out. I brought some stuff that you might want to know about just real quick. There's two little booklets, one for young men, one for married men, on dealing with the porn problem. And the thing you should do is go to confession later this morning. But then there's some very concrete steps that you and you can pass on to others. I have probably too many, about 100 CDs back in South Carolina I could have brought. But I only chose to bring one. I took a year sabbatical from uh, Catholic Radio. I think I was the longest live-running host at the time. And, you know, when you're always talking, sometimes it's hard to think think and ponder and as again I'm just an overgrown youth minister that's really what framed my whole uh, family and fatherhood emphasis was my experience as a youth minister I'm just very concerned for my grown children and grandchildren and yours in today's world and basically the result of that there's a CD over there called Transforming Grace and it's out of the box it's suggesting pretty much major different ways to prepare for sacraments, to do Catholic education, to incorporate some of the things I'm talking about as far as building that relationship bridge before trying to pass on the faith. And uh, I'm writing a book on it right now. It's the most important thing, I think, for today, the 21st century. And so that's over there. And I've got a um, free newsletter. Just go to dads.org you can go to your phone right now and sign up. And if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe and it won't bother you. So thank you. This has been very encouraging to me to just see you guys turn out here. And I just trust that you're being here today, that God would turn a blessing upon not just your heads, but your families and your grown children, your grandchildren and all. So thank you very much. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.